It's fun to be inquisitive. Be nosy. Stick to your passion. Find out more for yourself. Quest is fun. Join me, Tristan Pang, on a journey of inspiration. Welcome to Youth Voices. Hello everyone, welcome to my show. This is your host Tristan Pang on Fan FM 104.6. Youth Voices, great to have your company here today. In today's show, we will first talk to Andrew Patterson, then Vicky Ngo. But first, I would like to share with you some of my insights into education. So, last month I mentioned that my way of learning was in a vertical, in-depth manner. So, I could see the bigger picture and the connections between different topics. This, I believe, should be how students should learn in the current education system. By looking at the whole picture before focusing on a single topic, instead of aimlessly following the curriculum. To encourage this, schools can try adopting um, Sal Khan's flipped classroom model, where the students do the conceptual learning at home, then work on homework problems and discussions at school. For example, students could watch Khan Academy or teachers' pre-recorded videos at their own pace in their comfort of their own home, being able to pause, fast-forward and rewind at their own will. This also means that students can also have world-class teachers from anywhere in the world explaining the topic to them. Then, after the self-learning at home, school time is left for problem-solving, with the teacher as a facilitator to reinforce and assist students in understanding concepts. Additionally, students should not need to be limited by the curriculum in what they want to learn. And if they want to learn random topics, then so be it. In this day and age, it is not necessary to rote-learn the curriculum, for example, the periodic table, or to rote-learn historic dates. This is all easily found on Google when needed, so instead students should be able to think about and understand the bigger concepts or stories behind these rote learning things. Then they should also be allowed to explore topics that interest them as this is how students uh, find out their passion. So self-learning in education should definitely be encouraged. Now, the internet helps student learners to overcome geographic barriers as well. Anyone, anywhere, anytime can learn anything they want in this 21st century digital age. Technology should become accepted and used in schools. It's really great that uh, many teachers now are starting to adopt this as well as some schools and um, just starting to use these tools uh, to, to, to help the students' education. But what I believe is that this change should be universal we should be changing the public's perception of education as well as making sure government policymakers do so too. Our education system now is really old and it's really outdated. We're still relying on kind of a bulk education model where all students are taught the same standardised curriculum and this is done in the same way. Although this may work for a majority, um, it would never work for everyone as a whole, students who are gifted at a topic will get bored easily and students who fall behind will disengage. So education should be personalised for each person. For myself, I was very lucky to have uh, parents that supported me and encouraged me to pursue self-study. And my primary school did not hinder me and allowed me to skip classes which I was advanced in. Then university recognised my abilities and la- allowed me to start tertiary courses. So everyone is definitely different and... Everyone's education should be different too. Policymakers need to have a big rethink about giving everyone the opportunity to learn their own styles in a way that works for the students. So I spoke to Andrew Patterson about his insights about this education. Andrew has been my mentor for the past seven years and has guided my involvement in the community. 
So he first came on to Youth Voices in March 2015 when he talked about his involvement in education and advocation. And this time he continues talking about the changes that COVID has made to the education system. So here we go. Hello, Andrew. Thanks for coming on my show again. Always a pleasure to be on your show, Tristan. <laughs> so uh, last time you came um, a couple of years ago and then you talked a bit about education, but it's been a few years now and the world has changed. So how have you been coping in lockdown, Andrew? Well, like everybody, having to adapt to this new world order, Tristan, isn't it? Very strange time where we all these things that we take for granted, the normal part of our life has all been changed. But I think it's something that we're all getting used to, isn't it? And and also having to rearrange our time and, and to think of the world differently. Uh, we've learned a lot about countries, haven't we, and, and the geography of the world that we, perhaps we didn't know so much about. And also, from your point of view, Tristan, it's been great, all the numbers that the story has de- developed <laughs> as well. We're following um, numbers much more uh, closely than we were used to before. Mm-mm, yeah, definitely. It's It's just keeping track of everything and that sort of stuff. That's the world we live in now. So I guess we're both very interested in education, right? Um, That's one of the key things, one of your passions, right? So what have you seen education change to uh, uh, over the lockdown period? Well, what's really interested me, uh, Tristan, is the way, obviously, that we've had to learn online learning. And we've talked about online education for a long time and I think that transition has been quite slow uh, mainly because like any change people don't want to change unless they absolutely have to but what COVID has done of course is it's forced us to change and and education is is really no different um it's it's had to learn teachers have had to learn to deliver lessons online um they've, they've learned to had to engage with students virtually and I've always been really interested and I think we might have spoken about this previously is you know Sal Khan and what he created with Khan Academy and that always really interested me I remember when I first heard about Khan Academy back in about 2009, 2010 when he started it off. I thought, wow, this is going to be a game changer. But it's been very slow, um, Mm, very, very slow to um, pick up, a lot slower than I expected. But uh, I'm I'm really pleased that um, certainly over lockdown, uh, there's a lot of schools getting into Khan Academy now. And I think um, really Sol Khan was probably somebody ahead of his time uh, when he when he developed that idea. And I was very fortunate a couple of years ago to um, to get to meet him for a second time. Actually, I, I met him in 2014 and then I interviewed him again in 2017 as well. Mm, yeah, that's really cool. So um in your interview with uh, in 2017, what did you talk to Sal Khan about? I was interested in that change. You know, if you if you the period from uh, 2010 to 2014 when I first interviewed him, yeah, that was I guess the kind of startup phase, and then 2014 to 2017 was the kind of growth phase. And now, I think COVID. I haven't read the numbers recently about them, but I would imagine they've just exploded in terms of popularity uh, because I know a lot of students, of course, are having to sit at home and teach themselves and and um, platforms like Khan Academy are, are really um, a, a really vital way of, of doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, um, I remember Bill Gates, uh, Tristan, a few years ago predicted that really good teachers like Sal Khan would become uh, the new rock stars 
of the 21st century. Um, you know, Mick Jagger is very famous for the Rolling Stones um, <laughs> and that we would have people like Sal Khan has probably become the first of them who, you know, who, who are known for their brilliance at teaching online. And I'm waiting to see more of those sorts of people uh, emerge. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm presuming we're going to see, you know, more of sort of Khan Academies type uh, will come along in languages and history and and we're going to end up with an amazing array of online learning facilities in the future. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice to see that schools, uh, well, during the COVID, they, they've been forced to go into lockdown, learning from home, and they're forced to use resources like Khan Academy to supplement the actual teaching. Yes, and, and also that students have, have learned, and I know this has been a real strong passion of yours over many <laughs> years, uh, this whole concept of self-directed learning. Uh, mm. And I think, you know, you, you talked about uh, that uh, uh, a long time ago when, you know, because that's the method that you've learned. And uh, really, um, lockdown has has forced students to become um, self-directed um, teachers themselves, haven't they? And they're having to manage their own learning, and, and I think that's a really good thing. I mean, I think I think obviously there's a place for um, teacher-based learning; it's a very important place. But equally, I think with the resources that we have available today, um, self-directing your learning is equally as important. Yeah, yeah. So it comes back to like the different types of model, like flipped classroom, self-directed learning at home going to schools, working with teachers on problems. That's right. I mean, I, I, and, and Sal Carton was really the pioneer of that flipped classroom mm. model, the idea that rather than sending kids home with homework problems um, where they couldn't, um, you know, it was very difficult for them to go and work by themselves, you do that sort of work in class and they go home and prepare for the previous day's lesson by watching videos and those sorts of things. I think that was a really um, clever concept, which, which uh, you know, more, more schools and more classes and teachers are really using now. Wow, that was really insightful. Andrew will be back next month to continue talking about his thoughts about education. So as mentioned, um, Andrew interviewed Sal Khan in 2017 on his own professional radio show on NBR. So here's the start of the interview between Andrew and Sal Khan. I sat down with Sal Khan and began by asking him if he ever imagined that Khan Academy would grow to the size it has today, where millions of students can literally self-direct their own learning. I definitely had some dreams. I read a lot of science fiction books, but I knew not to get too hopeful. I said, hey, if this would just be useful for my family, that by itself is worth doing. But I did realize that these things like on-demand video or interactive software, there's no reason if it's useful for 15 people, no reason I can't be useful for 15 million or 150 million people. Do you feel that the world might have finally caught up to you? You might have been a bit ahead of your time 10 years ago? In some ways, I think in some ways the world and Khan Academy has a long way to go. A lot of the ideas that we've definitely been focused on for some time around personalized learning, competency-based learning, students having agency over their learning, having access wherever and whenever they need it, these are definitely mainstream conversation topics now. But if you visit classrooms or if you think about the architecture of a traditional academic system, they still are pretty similar to the way they've been for the last 200 years. I hope that over the next 5, 10, 20 years, and it's not going to be Khan Academy by itself, in conjunction with teachers and educators and parents and governments, that we can help move reality to where the conversation now is. Yes, definitely. Hopefully in the next few years, more and more people will see the likes of Khan Academy as invaluable resources and will embrace new methods of education. 
Speaking of unique education, last month we talked to Vicky Ngo on this show. So she is a 13-year-old student studying at AUT. We continue to chat with her, talking about the differences between Vietnam and New Zealand. You grew up in Vietnam, Vicky, um, and you moved to New Zealand two years ago. So how did you find the differences? What differences do you find? I can see that Vietnam is way more busy than in New Zealand. People in New Zealand is more relaxing. But in, in Vietnam, it's just so busy, like everyone keep doing this and that. It doesn't feel like everyone is really enjoying life. And also the main difference is education. Like in Vietnam, you only sit in the class for from 7.30 until 4. Just sit in the class, listen to <laughs> wow. your teacher, and that's all. The teacher only talk, you listen. And most of the time, if you ask, then they probably get annoyed, probably get a bit <laughs> angry. And sure. they don't really explain it that well, but in here people are more supportive and nice and they're willing to answer your questions. I think in here the student is like more the main focus of the school, but in Vietnam it's like the teachers. The stu- like the students just got to do the work and all, and they got lots of homework. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, education everywhere is hopefully going to get better as yeah. time goes on, I think. Uh, different countries are moving at their own pace. New Zealand is moving fairly okay, I think, compared to the rest of the world. And soon, um, I guess, we get... Uh, the, the, the the dream, obviously, is to have uh, one teacher to every student, or that sort of stuff, so each student gets their own kind of um, tailored uh, program, that sort of stuff, right? So that's the educational differences. How about the food? Um, how have you been coping with the difference between New Zealand food and Vietnam food? Um, um, it's hard to say, but Vietnamese food is more about rice and noodle and those mm-hmm. things. In New Zealand, it's like bread and fish and a bit more fast food. <laughs> yeah. In Vietnam, it's not mm. that much. People mostly cook. And the, I think the taste of it is a bit stronger than New Zealand. The New Zealand taste is probably a bit lighter. Mm. And I mean, I don't think most people in New Zealand use fresh sauce much so sure. it's a it's quite a big difference well that was cool so tune in next month when we'll continue our chat with andrew Patterson about education and then with vicky about her company vava straws so that's it for today thanks a lot for listening and i welcome your feedback and your support of the program so please visit my website www.questisfun.org.nz slash youth voices that's q-u-e-s-t hyphen i-s hyphen f-u-n dot o-r-g dot slash youth voices or you can email me at usevoicesnz at gmail.com. So thanks a lot for listening. See you next month. Bye. Join me again for another exciting program next month on the first Wednesday at 2.10 p.m. Or listen anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash youthvoices. Or listen to the archive on my website, www.questisfun.org.nz slash youthvoices. Youth Voices.